Section 21 of Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Jarrow. Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election by Robert Mueller. Legal Defenses to the Application of Obstruction of Justice Statutes to the President. Section B. Constitutional Defenses to Applying Obstruction of Justice Statutes to Presidential Conduct. The President has broad discretion to direct criminal investigations. The Constitution vests the executive power in the President and enjoins him to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 3. Those powers and duties form the foundation of prosecutorial discretion. See United States v. Armstrong, U.S. 517, 1996. Attorney General and United States attorneys have this latitude because they are designated by statute as the President's delegates to help him discharge his constitutional responsibility to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. The President also has authority to appoint officers of the United States and to remove those whom he has appointed. U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2, granting authority to the President to appoint all officers with the advice and consent of the Senate, but providing that Congress may vest the appointment of inferior officers in the President alone, the heads of departments, or the courts of law. See also Free Enterprise Fund v. Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, U.S. 561, 2010, describing removal authority as flowing from the President's responsibility to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Although the President has broad authority under Article II, that authority coexists with Congress's Article I power to enact laws that protect congressional proceedings, federal investigations, the courts, and grand juries against corrupt efforts to undermine their functions. Usually, those constitutional powers function in harmony with the President enforcing the criminal laws under Article II to protect against corrupt, obstructive acts. But when the President's official actions come into conflict with the prohibitions in the obstruction statutes, any constitutional tension is reconciled through separation of powers analysis. The President's counsel has argued that the President's exercise of his constitutional authority to terminate an FBI director and to close investigations cannot constitutionally constitute obstruction of justice. As noted above, no Department of Justice position or Supreme Court precedent directly resolved this issue. We did not find counsel's contention, however, to accord with our reading of the Supreme Court authority addressing separation of powers issues. Applying the Court's framework for analysis, we concluded that Congress can validly regulate the President's exercise of official duties 
to prohibit actions motivated by a corrupt intent to obstruct justice. The limited effect on presidential power that results from that restriction would not impermissibly undermine the president's ability to perform his Article II functions. 1. The requirement of a clear statement to apply statutes to presidential conduct does not limit the obstruction statutes. Before addressing Article II issues directly, we consider one threshold statutory construction principle that is unique to the presidency, the principle that general statutes must be read as not applying to the president if they do not expressly apply where application would arguably limit the president's constitutional role. Office of Legal Counsel, Application of U.S. Code, Title 28, to Presidential Appointments of Federal Judges, Opinions of the Office of Legal Counsel, Volume 19, 1995. This clear statement rule has its source in two principles. Statutes should be construed to avoid serious constitutional questions, and Congress should not be assumed to have altered the constitutional separation of powers without clear assurance that it intended that result. Office of Legal Counsel, the constitutional separation of powers between the President and Congress. Opinions of the Office of Legal Counsel, Volume 20, 1996. The Supreme Court has applied that clear statement rule in several cases. In one leading case, the Court construed the Administrative Procedure Act, United States Code, Title V, Section 701, not to apply to judicial review of presidential action. Franklin v. Massachusetts, United States 505, 1992. The Court explained that it would require an express statement by Congress before assuming it intended the President's performance of his statutory duties to be reviewed for abuse of discretion. In another case, the Court interpreted the word utilized in the Federal Advisory Committee Act, FACA, United States Code Title V, to apply only to the use of advisory committees established directly or indirectly by the government, thereby excluding the American Bar Association's advice to the Department of Justice about federal judicial candidates. Public Citizen v. United States Department of Justice, U.S. 491, 1989. The Court explained that a broader interpretation of the term utilized in FACA would raise serious questions whether the statute infringed unduly on the President's Article II power to nominate federal judges and violated the doctrine of separation of powers. Another case found that an established canon of statutory construction applied with special force to provisions that would impinge on the President's foreign affairs powers if construed broadly. Sale v. Haitian Center's Council, U.S. 155, 1993, applying the presumption against extraterritorial application to construe the Refugee Act of 1980 as not governing in an overseas context where it could affect foreign and military affairs for which the President 
has unique responsibility. See Application of United States Code Title 28, Section 458 to Presidential Appointments of Federal Judges, Office of Legal Counsel Opinions, Volume 19, Discussing Franklin, Public Citizen, and Sale. The Department of Justice has relied on this clear statement principle to interpret certain statutes as not applying to the President at all, similar to the approach taken in Franklin. See Memorandum for Richard T. Burris, Office of the President, from Lawrence H. Silberman, Deputy Attorney General, Ray, Conflict of Interest Problems Arising out of the President's nomination of Nelson A. Rockefeller to be Vice President under the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, August 28, 1974. Criminal Conflict of Interest Statute, United States Code, Title 18, Section 208, does not apply to the President. Other OLC opinions interpret statutory text not to apply to certain presidential or executive actions because of constitutional concerns. c. Application of United States Code Title 28, Section 458 to Presidential Appointments of Federal Judges, Opinions of the Office of Legal Counsel, Volume 19, Consanguinity Limitations on Court Appointments, United States Code Title 28, Section 458, found inapplicable to presidential appointments of judges to the federal judiciary. Constraints imposed by United States Code Title 18, Section 1913 on lobbying efforts, Opinions of the Office of Legal Counsel, Volume 13, 1989, Limitation on the Use of Appropriated Funds for Certain Lobbying Programs Found Inapplicable to Certain Communications by the President and executive officials. But OLC has also recognized that this clear statement rule does not apply with respect to a statute that raises no separation of powers questions were it to be applied to the President, such as the Federal Bribery Statute, United States Code, Title 18, Section 201, Application of United States Code Title 28, Section 458, to Presidential Appointments of Federal Judges, Opinions of the Office of Legal Counsel, Volume 19. OLC explained that application of Section 201 raises no separation of powers question, let alone a serious one, because the Constitution confers no power in the President to receive bribes. In support of that conclusion, OLC noted constitutional provisions that forbid increases in the President's compensation while in office, which is what a bribe would function to do. Citing U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 7 and the express constitutional power of Congress to impeach and convict a president for inter alia bribery, citing U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 4. Under OLC's analysis, 
Congress can permissibly criminalize certain obstructive conduct by the President, such as suborning perjury, intimidating witnesses, or fabricating evidence, because those prohibitions raise no separation of powers questions. See application of United States Code Title 28, Section 458 to Presidential Appointments of Federal Judges. Opinions of the Office of Legal Counsel, Volume 19. The Constitution does not authorize the President to engage in such conduct, and those actions would transgress the President's duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 3. In view of those clearly permissible applications of the obstruction statutes to the President, Franklin's holding that the President is entirely excluded from a statute absent a clear statement would not apply in this context. A more limited application of a clear statement rule to exclude from the obstruction statutes only certain acts by the President, for example, removing prosecutors or ending investigations for corrupt reasons, would be difficult to implement as a matter of statutory interpretation. It is not obvious how a clear statement rule would apply to an omnibus provision, like Section 1512C2, to exclude corruptly motivated obstructive acts only when carried out in the President's conduct of office. No statutory term could easily bear that specialized meaning. For example, the word corruptly has a well-established meaning that does not exclude exercises of official power for corrupt ends. Indeed, an established definition states that corruptly means action with an intent to secure an improper advantage inconsistent with official duty and the rights of others. Valentine's Law Dictionary, page 276, third edition, 1969. And it would be contrary to ordinary rules of statutory construction to adopt an unconventional meaning of a statutory term only when applied to the president. See United States v. Santos, United States 553, 2008. Plurality opinion of Scalia J. Rejecting proposal to give the same word in the same statutory provision different meanings in different factual contexts. Public citizen, United States 491, giving the term utilized in the FACA a uniform meaning to avoid constitutional questions. Nor could such an exclusion draw on a separate and established background interpretive presumption, such as a presumption against extraterritoriality applied in sale. The principle that courts will construe a statute to avoid serious constitutional questions is not a license for the judiciary to rewrite language enacted by the legislature. Salinas v. United States, United States 522, 1997. It is one thing to acknowledge and accept well-defined or even newly enunciated generally applicable background principles 
of assumed legislative intent it is quite another to espouse the broad proposition that criminal statutes do not have to be read as broadly as they are written but are subject to case-by-case -case exceptions brogan v united states u s five twenty two nineteen ninety eight when a proposed construction would thus function as an extra-textual limit on a statute's compass thereby preventing the statute from applying to a host of cases falling within its clear terms lauren united states five seventy three it is doubtful that the construction would reflect the congress's intent that is particularly so with respect to obstruction statutes which have been given a broad and all-inclusive meaning rainy discussing sections fifteen o three and fifteen o five accordingly since no established principle of interpretation would exclude the presidential conduct we have investigated from statutes such as sections fifteen o three fifteen o five fifteen twelve b and fifteen twelve c two we proceed to examine the separation of powers issues that could be raised as an article two defense to the application of those statutes two separation of powers principles support the conclusion that congress may validly prohibit corrupt obstructive acts carried out through the president's official powers when congress imposes a limitation on the exercise of article two powers the limitation's validity depends on whether the measure disrupts the balance between the coordinate branches nixon v administrator of general services united states four thirty three nineteen seventy seven even when a branch does not arrogate power to itself the separation of powers doctrine requires that a branch not impair another in the performance of its constitutional duties loving v united states united states five seventeen nineteen ninety six the separation of powers does not mean however that the branches ought to have no partial agency in or no control over the acts of each other clinton v jones united states five twenty nineteen ninety seven quoting james madison the federalist number forty seven in this context a balancing test applies to assess separation of powers issues applying that test here we concluded that congress can validly make obstruction of justice statutes applicable to corruptly motivated official acts of the president without impermissibly undermining his article two functions a the supreme court's separation of powers balancing test applies in this context a congressionally imposed limitation on presidential action is assessed to determine the extent to which it prevents the executive branch from accomplishing its constitutionally assigned functions and if the potential for disruption is present whether that impact is justified by an overriding need to promote objectives within the constitutional authority of congress administrator of general services 
United States 433. C. Nixon v. Fitzgerald, United States 457. 1982. United States v. Nixon, United States 418. 1974. That balancing test applies to a congressional regulation of presidential power through the obstruction of justice laws. When an Article II power has not been explicitly assigned by the text of the Constitution to be within the sole province of the President, but rather was thought to be encompassed within the general grant to the President of the executive power, the Court has balanced competing constitutional considerations. Public Citizen, United States 491 Kennedy J., concurring in the judgment, joined by Rehnquist C.J. and O'Connor J., as Justice Kennedy noted in Public Citizen, the Court has applied a balancing test to restrictions on the President's power to remove executive officers, a power that is not conferred by any explicit provision in the text of the Constitution, as is the appointment power rather is inferred to be a necessary part of the grant of the executive power. Citing Morrison v. Olson, United States 487, 1988, and Myers v. United States, United States 272, 1926. Consistent with that statement, Morrison sustained a good cause limitation on the removal of an inferior officer with defined prosecutorial responsibilities after determining that the limitation did not impermissibly undermine the president's ability to perform his article two functions the court has also evaluated other general executive power claims through a balancing test for example the court evaluated the president's claim of an absolute privilege for presidential communications about his official acts by balancing that interest against the judicial branch's need for evidence in a criminal case united states v nixon supra recognizing a qualified constitutional privilege for presidential communications on official matters the court has also upheld a law that provided for archival access to presidential records despite a claim of absolute presidential privilege over the records administrator of general services united states 433 the analysis in those cases supports applying a balancing test to assess the constitutionality of applying the obstruction of justice statutes to presidential exercises of executive power only in a few instances has the court applied a different framework when the president's power is both exclusive and conclusive on the issue congress is precluded from regulating its exercise zivotofsky v carey supreme court 135 2015 in zivotofsky for example the court followed justice jackson's familiar tripartite framework in Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company v. Sawyer, U.S. 343, 1952, Jackson J. Concurring, and held 
that the president's authority to recognize foreign nations is exclusive. See also Public Citizen, United States 491. Kennedy J., concurring in the judgment, citing the power to grant pardons under U.S. Constitution Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1, and the Presentment Clauses for Legislation, U.S. Constitution Article 1, Section 7, Clauses 2, 3, as examples of exclusive presidential powers by virtue of constitutional text. But even when a power is exclusive, Congress powers and its central role in making laws give it substantial authority regarding many of the policy determinations that precede and follow the President's Act. Zivotofsky. For example, although the President's power to grant pardons is exclusive and not subject to congressional regulation, see United States v. Klein, United States 80, 1872, Congress has the authority to prohibit the corrupt use of anything of value to influence the testimony of another person in a judicial, congressional, or agency proceeding. United States Code Title 18, Section 201b3, which would include the offer or promise of a pardon to induce a person to testify falsely or not to testify at all. The offer of a pardon would precede the act of pardoning and thus be within Congress's power to regulate even if the pardon itself is not. Just as the Speech or Debate Clause, U.S. Constitution Article 1, Section 6, Clause 1, absolutely protects legislative acts, but not a legislator's taking or agreeing to take money for a promise to act in a certain way, for it is taking the bribe not performance of the illicit compact that is a criminal act. United States v. Brewster, United States 408, 1972, the promise of a pardon to corruptly influence testimony would not be a constitutionally immunized act. The application of obstruction statutes to such promises, therefore, would raise no serious separation of powers issue. B. The effective obstruction of justice statutes on the President's capacity to perform his Article II responsibilities is limited. Under the Supreme Court's balancing test for analyzing separation of powers issues, the first task is to assess the degree to which applying obstruction of justice statutes to presidential actions affects the president's ability to carry out his Article II responsibilities. Administrator of General Services, U.S. 433. As discussed above, applying obstruction of justice statutes to presidential conduct that does not involve the president's conduct of office, such as influencing the testimony of witnesses, is constitutionally unproblematic. The President has no more right than other citizens to impede official proceedings by corruptly influencing witness testimony. The conduct would be equally improper whether effectuated through direct efforts to produce false testimony or suppress the truth, or through the actual, threatened, or promised use of official powers to achieve the same result. 
The president's action in curtailing criminal investigations or prosecutions or discharging law enforcement officials raises different questions. Each type of action involves the exercise of executive discretion in furtherance of the president's duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 3. Congress may not supplant the president's exercise of executive power to supervise prosecutions or to remove officers who occupy law enforcement positions. See Bauscher v. Simar, United States 478, 1986. Congress cannot reserve for itself the power of removal of an officer charged with the execution of the laws except by impeachment, because the structure of the Constitution does not permit Congress to execute the laws. This kind of congressional control over the execution of the laws is constitutionally impermissible. Yet, the obstruction of justice statutes do not aggrandize power in Congress or usurp executive authority. Instead, they impose a discrete limitation on conduct only when it is taken with the corrupt intent to obstruct justice. The obstruction statutes thus would restrict presidential action only by prohibiting the president from acting to obstruct official proceedings for the improper purpose of protecting his own interests. The direct effect on the president's freedom of action would correspondingly be a limited one. A preclusion of corrupt official action is not a major intrusion on Article II powers. For example, the proper supervision of criminal law does not demand freedom for the president to act with the intention of shielding himself from criminal punishment, avoiding financial liability, or preventing personal embarrassment. To the contrary, a statute that prohibits official action undertaken for such personal purposes furthers, rather than hinders, the impartial and even-handed administration of the law. And the Constitution does not mandate that the President have unfettered authority to direct investigations or prosecutions with no limits whatsoever in order to carry out his Article II functions. See Heckler v. Cheney. United States 470, 1985. Congress may limit an agency's exercise of enforcement power if it wishes, either by setting substantive priorities or by otherwise circumscribing an agency's power to discriminate among issues or cases it will pursue. United States v. Nixon, U.S. 418. To read the Article II powers of the President as providing an absolute privilege to withhold confidential information from a criminal trial would upset the constitutional balance of a workable government and gravely impair the role of the courts under Article Three. Nor must the President have unfettered authority to remove all executive branch officials involved in the execution of the laws. The Constitution establishes that Congress has legislative authority to structure the executive branch by authorizing Congress to create executive departments and officer positions and to specify how inferior officers are appointed. For example, U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18, Necessary and Proper Clause. 
Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1, Opinions Clause. Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2, Appointments Clause. See Free Enterprise Fund, United States 561. While the President's removal power is an important means of ensuring that officers faithfully execute the law, Congress has a recognized authority to place certain limits on removal. The President's removal powers are at their zenith with respect to principal officers, that is, officers who must be appointed by the President and who report to him directly. See Free Enterprise Fund U.S. 561. The President's exclusive and illimitable power of removal of those principal officers furthers the President's ability to ensure that the laws are faithfully executed. Myers, U.S. 272. Thus, there are some purely executive officials who must be removable by the President at will if he is to be able to accomplish his constitutional role. Morrison, U.S. 487. Myers, U.S. 272. The President's cabinet officers must do his will and the moment that he loses confidence in the intelligence, ability, judgment, or loyalty of any one of them, he must have the power to remove him without delay. Humphrey's Executor v. United States, U.S. 295, 1935. Congress has the power to create independent agencies headed by principal officers, removable only for good cause. In light of those constitutional precedents, it may be that the obstruction statutes could not be constitutionally applied to limit the removal of a cabinet officer, such as the Attorney General. See United States Code Title V, Section 101, United States Code Title 28, Section 503. In that context, at least absent circumstances showing that the President was clearly attempting to thwart accountability for personal conduct while evading ordinary political checks and balances. Even the highly limited regulation imposed by the obstruction statutes could possibly intrude too deeply on the President's freedom to select and supervise members of his cabinet. The removal of inferior officers, in contrast, need not necessarily be at will for the president to fulfill his constitutionally assigned role in managing the executive branch. Inferior officers are officers whose work is directed and supervised at some level by other officers appointed by the president with the Senate's consent. Free Enterprise Fund, U.S. 561. Quoting Edmund v. United States, U.S. 520, 1997. The Supreme Court has long recognized Congress's authority to place for-cause limitations on the President's removal of inferior officers whose appointment may be vested in the head of a department. U.S. Constitution Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2. See United States v. Perkins, U.S. 116, 1886. The constitutional authority in Congress to thus vest the appointment of inferior officers in the heads of departments implies authority to limit, restrict, and regulate the removal by such laws as Congress may enact in relation to the officers so appointed. Quoting lower court decision. Morrison, U.S. 487, citing Perkins. Scalia J. Dissenting. 
recognizing that Perkins is established law. See also Free Enterprise Fund, U.S. 561, citing Perkins and Morrison. The category of inferior officers includes both the FBI director and the special counsel, each of whom reports to the attorney general. See United States Code, Title 28, Section 509. Their work is thus directed and supervised by a presidentially appointed Senate-confirmed officer. See In Re Grand Jury Investigation, D.C. Circuit Court, February 26, 2019, holding that the special counsel is an inferior officer for constitutional purposes. Where the Constitution permits Congress to impose a good cause limitation on the removal of an executive branch officer, the Constitution should equally permit Congress to bar removal for the corrupt purpose of obstructing justice, limiting the range of permissible reasons for removal to exclude a corrupt purpose imposes a lesser restraint on the president than requiring an affirmative showing of good cause. It follows that for such inferior officers, Congress may constitutionally restrict the president's removal authority if that authority was exercised for the corrupt purpose of obstructing justice. And even if a particular inferior officer's position might be of such importance to the execution of the laws, that the president must have at-will removal authority, the obstruction of justice statutes could still be constitutionally applied to forbid removal for a corrupt reason. A narrow and discreet limitation on removal that precluded corrupt action would leave ample room for all other considerations, including disagreement over policy or loss of confidence in the officer's judgment or commitment. A corrupt purpose prohibition, therefore, would not undermine the President's ability to perform his Article II functions. Accordingly, because the separation of powers question is whether the removal restrictions are of such a nature that they impede the President's ability to perform his constitutional duty, Morrison, U.S. 487, a restriction on removing an inferior officer for a corrupt reason, a reason grounded in achieving personal rather than official ends, does not seriously hinder the President's performance of his duties. The President retains broad latitude to supervise investigations and remove officials circumscribed in this context only by the requirement that he not act for corrupt personal purposes. C. Congress has power to protect congressional, grand jury, and judicial proceedings against corrupt acts from any source. Where a law imposes a burden on the President's performance of Article II functions, separation of powers analysis considers whether the statutory measure is justified by an overriding need to promote objectives within the constitutional authority of Congress. Administrator of General Services, U.S. 433. Here, Congress enacted the obstruction of justice statutes to protect, among other things, the integrity of its own proceedings, grand jury investigations, and federal criminal trials. Those objectives are within Congress's authority and serve strong governmental interests. 1. 
Congress has Article I authority to define generally applicable criminal law and apply it to all persons, including the President. Congress clearly has authority to protect its own legislative functions against corrupt efforts designed to impede legitimate fact-gathering and lawmaking efforts. See Watkins v. United States, U.S. 354, 1957, Chapman v. United States, D.C. Appeals Court, 5, 1895. Congress also has authority to establish a system of federal courts, which includes the power to protect the judiciary against obstructive acts. See U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 9, 18. The Congress shall have the power to constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court and to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers. The long lineage of the obstruction of justice statutes, which can be traced to at least 1831, attests to the necessity for that protection see an act declaratory of the law concerning contempts of court statute section four eighteen thirty one making it a crime if any person or persons shall corruptly endeavor to influence intimidate or impede any juror witness or officer in any court of the united states in the discharge of his duty or shall corruptly obstruct or impede or endeavor to obstruct or impede the due administration of justice therein. 2. The Article Three Courts have an equally strong interest in being protected against obstructive acts, whatever their source, as the Supreme Court explained in United States v. Nixon. A primary constitutional duty of the judicial branch is to do justice in criminal prosecutions. In Nixon, the court rejected the president's claim of absolute executive privilege because the allowance of the privilege to withhold evidence that is demonstrably relevant in a criminal trial would cut deeply into the guarantee of due process of law and gravely impair the basic function of the courts as nixon illustrates the need to safeguard judicial integrity is a compelling constitutional interest noting that the denial of full disclosure of the facts surrounding relevant presidential communications threatens the very integrity of the judicial system and public confidence in the system. 3. Finally, the grand jury cannot achieve its constitutional purpose absent protection from corrupt acts. Serious federal criminal charges generally reach the Article Three courts based on an indictment issued by a grand jury. Cobbledick v. United States, U.S. 309, 1940. The Constitution itself makes the grand jury a part of the judicial process, and the grand jury's function is enshrined in the Fifth Amendment. U.S. Constitution, Amendment 5. No person shall be held to answer for a serious crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury. The whole theory of the grand jury's function is that it belongs to no branch of the institutional government, serving as a kind of buffer or referee between the government and the people. 
United States v. Williams, U.S. 504, 1992, pledged to indict no one because of prejudice and to free no one because of special favor. Costello v. United States, U.S. 350, 1956. If the grand jury were not protected against corrupt interference from all persons, its function as an independent charging body would be thwarted, and an impartial grand jury investigation to determine whether probable cause exists to indict is vital to the criminal justice process. The final step in the constitutional balancing process is to assess whether the separation of powers doctrine permits Congress to take action within its constitutional authority, notwithstanding the potential impact on Article II functions. See Administrator of General Services, U.S. 433. See also Morrison, U.S. 487. United States v. Nixon, U.S. 418. In the case of the obstruction of justice statutes, our assessment of the weighing of interest leads us to conclude that Congress has the authority to impose the limited restrictions contained in those statutes on the President's official conduct to protect the integrity of important functions of other branches of government. A general ban on corrupt action does not unduly intrude on the President's responsibility to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. U.S. Constitution Article 2, Section 3. To the contrary, the concept of faithful execution connotes the use of power in the interest of the public, not in the office holder's personal interests. See, I. Samuel Johnson, A Dictionary of the English Language, 1755, page 763, Faithfully, Definition 3, with strict adherence to duty and allegiance and immunizing the president from the generally applicable criminal prohibition against corrupt obstruction of official proceedings would seriously impair Congress's power to enact laws to promote objectives within its constitutional authority. Administrator of General Services, U.S. 433, i.e., protecting the integrity of its own proceedings and the proceedings of Article Three courts and grand juries. Accordingly, based on the analysis above, we were not persuaded by the argument that the President has blanket constitutional immunity to engage in acts that would corruptly obstruct justice through the exercise of otherwise valid Article Two powers. 3. Ascertaining whether the President violated the obstruction statutes would not chill his performance of his Article II duties. Applying the obstruction statutes to the President's official conduct would involve determining as a factual matter whether he engaged in an obstructive act, whether the act had a nexus to official proceedings, and whether he was motivated by corrupt intent. But applying those standards to the President's official conduct should not hinder his ability to perform his Article II duties. Nixon v. Fitzgerald, U.S. 457, taking into account chilling effect on the President in adopting a constitutional role of presidential immunity from private civil damages action based on official duties. Several safeguards would prevent a chilling effect. The existence of settled legal standards, 
the presumption of regularity in prosecutorial actions, and the existence of evidentiary limitations on probing the president's motives. And historical experience confirms that no impermissible chill should exist. A. As an initial matter, the term corruptly sets a demanding standard. It requires a concrete showing that a person acted with an intent to obtain an improper advantage for himself or someone else, inconsistent with official duty and the rights of others. Valentine's Law Dictionary, 3rd edition, 1969, page 276. See United States v. Pasha, D.C. Circuit Court, 2015. Aguilar, U.S. 515. Scalia J. Concurring in part and dissenting in part. That standard parallels the President's constitutional obligation to ensure the faithful execution of the laws. And virtually everything that the President does in the routine conduct of office will have a clear governmental purpose and will not be contrary to his official duty. Accordingly, the President has no reason to be chilled in those actions because, in virtually all instances, there will be no credible basis for suspecting a corrupt personal motive. That point is illustrated by examples of conduct that would and would not satisfy the stringent corrupt motive standard. Direct or indirect action by the President to end a criminal investigation into his own or his family member's conduct to protect against personal embarrassment or legal liability would constitute a core example of corruptly motivated conduct. So, too, would action to halt an enforcement proceeding that directly and adversely affected the President's financial interests for the purpose of protecting those interests. In those examples, official power is being used for the purpose of protecting the President's personal interests. In contrast, the President's actions to serve political or policy interests would not qualify as corrupt. The President's role as head of the government necessarily requires him to take into account political factors in making policy decisions that affect law enforcement actions and proceedings. For instance, the President's decision to curtail a law enforcement investigation to avoid international friction would not implicate the obstruction of justice statutes. The criminal law does not seek to regulate the consideration of such political or policy factors in the conduct of government. And when legitimate interests animate the president's conduct, those interests will almost invariably be readily identifiable based on objective factors, because the president's conduct in those instances will obviously fall outside the zone of obstruction law no chilling concern should arise. B. There is also no reason to believe that investigations, let alone prosecutions, would occur except in highly unusual circumstances when a credible factual basis exists to believe that obstruction occurred. Prosecutorial action enjoys a presumption of regularity. Absent clear evidence to the contrary, Courts presume that prosecutors have properly discharged their official duties. Armstrong, U.S. 517, quoting, 
United States v. Chemical Foundation, Inc., United States 272, 1926. The presumption of prosecutorial regularity would provide even greater protection to the president than exists in routine cases given the prominence and sensitivity of any matter involving the president, and the likelihood that such matters will be subject to thorough and careful review at the most senior levels of the Department of Justice. Under OLC's opinion that a sitting president is entitled to immunity from indictment, only a successor administration would be able to prosecute a former president. But that consideration does not suggest that a president would have any basis for fearing abusive investigations or prosecutions after leaving office. There are obvious political checks against initiating a baseless investigation or prosecution of a former president. See Administrator of General Services, United States 433, Considering Political Checks in Separation of Powers Analysis. And the Attorney General holds the power to conduct the criminal litigation of the United States government. United States v. Nixon, U.S. 418, citing United States Code, Title 28, Section 516, which provides a strong institutional safeguard against politicized investigations or prosecutions. These considerations distinguish the Supreme Court's holding in Nixon v. Fitzgerald that, in part because inquiries into the President's motives would be highly intrusive, the President is absolutely immune from private civil damages actions based on his official conduct. U.S. 457. As Fitzgerald recognized, there is a lesser public interest in actions for civil damages than, for example, in criminal prosecutions. Fitzgerald, United States 457. C. Cheney, United States 542. And private actions are not subject to the institutional protections of an action under the supervision of the Attorney General and subject to a presumption of regularity. Armstrong, United States 517. C. In the rare cases in which a substantial and credible basis justifies conducting an investigation of the President, the process of examining his motivations to determine whether he acted for a corrupt purpose need not have a chilling effect. Ascertaining the President's motivations would turn on any explanation he provided to justify his actions, the advice he received, the circumstances surrounding the actions, and the regularity or irregularity of the process he employed to make decisions. But grand juries and courts would not have automatic access to confidential presidential communications on those matters. Rather, they could be presented in official proceedings only on a showing of sufficient need. Nixon, United States 418. In re, sealed case. D.C. Circuit, 1997. See also Administrator of General Services, United States 433. Former President, 
can invoke presidential communications privilege, although successors' failure to support the claim detracts from its weight. In any event, probing the president's intent in a criminal matter is unquestionably constitutional in at least one context. The offense of bribery turns on the corrupt intent to receive a thing of value in return for being influenced in official action. United States Code Title 18, Section 201, Subsection B, 2. There can be no serious argument against the President's potential criminal liability for bribery offenses, notwithstanding the need to ascertain his purpose and intent. See U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 3, Article 2, Section 4. See also Application of United States Code, Title 28, Section 458, to Presidential Appointments of Federal Judges. Opinions of the Office of Legal Counsel, Volume 19. Application of Section 201 to the President raises no separation of powers issue, let alone a serious one. D. Finally, history provides no reason to believe that any asserted chilling effect justifies exempting the president from the obstruction laws. As a historical matter, presidents have very seldom been the subjects of grand jury investigations, and it is rarer still for circumstances to raise even the possibility of a corrupt personal motive for arguably obstructive action through the president's use of official power. Accordingly, the president's conduct of office should not be chilled based on hypothetical concerns about the possible application of a corrupt motive standard in this context. In sum, contrary to the position taken by the president's counsel, we concluded that, in light of the Supreme Court president governing separation of powers issues, we had a valid basis for investigating the conduct at issue in this report. In our view, the application of the obstruction statutes would not impermissibly burden the President's performance of his Article II function to supervise prosecutorial conduct or to remove inferior law enforcement officers. And the protection of the criminal justice system from corrupt acts by any person, including the President, accords with a fundamental principle of our government that no person in this country is so high that he is above the law. United States v. Lee, U.S. 106, 1882. See also Clinton v. Jones, U.S. 520. United States v. Nixon, Supra. End of section 21. Recording by Lynn Jarrow.